0: I don't know about you but i've always had friends and family and people in my life who didn't want to have anything to do with god and who didn't want to have anything to do with the church um and and in my opinion it's easy just live somewhere right or go to school somewhere or work somewhere these people are everywhere literally everywhere in jessamine county four out of five people will not darken the doors of anything religious in any given week, 80%. Now, you, you would say, you would think, we're in the buckle of the Bible belt. Well, everybody goes to church. No, the church attendance rates for Jesmond County are a little over 20%. So it's, that's okay. So uh, now, when I was younger, when I was younger and I was a Baptist, um, I didn't have a church that was an easy thing place for me to invite people into because usually they had to really, they had, we had to to dress up a lot. So back in that day, I had a three-piece blue suit from Sears that I would don with a pair of wingtips every Sunday um, because you dressed up for the Lord. Um, If you prayed or you were asked to pray, you had to pray in King James. So we beseech thee, O our heavenly Father, that thy bound, you know, these and thines, and you had to talk to God that way. Uh, And so there were a lot of kind of barriers, so to speak. So when I had friends, when I had people I had met that, that didn't want to have anything to do with God or church that might be interested, it was hard for me to get them in. Now, from day one here at Generations, we've wanted Generations to be a place where people who've given up on God or given up on church would want to come, mostly because we would value them as people we would see them as being valuable just because they're a person. They're a man or a woman, they're a boy or a girl, they're made in God's image, they're valuable. That we would listen to them and let them talk about the things, that we would accept them for where they are and who they are, Um, and that we would let them work out their God stuff without necessarily getting clubbed over the head. Um, Last week, I've been... uh, uh, subbing for a buddy, uh, and so I've been doing the uh, an hour kind of discussion time with the guys in the jail that are doing this resilience program, okay? so, uh, And they were taught, so this last week we were talking about change, you know, and how Jesus changes you. And uh, a couple of them were getting close to being released, and they, they were articulating to me, uh, Max, you know, I know... I know that if I get released and I go back to my family and my circle of friends, I'm just going to end up back here. So I know that, but I got to be honest, I'm scared about going to church because here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that they're going to judge me and that they're going to basically say to me, everything you've done up to this point is who you are and there's nothing else that can be expected differently. And that, and that scared them. And, they, and so I was having to have a conversation with them. No, no, there are communities of faith right here, and there's more than one. There's several where you can just be you. They won't judge you. And it's, okay, so there are a couple of ways, I don't know if you know this, there are a couple of ways people tend to end up at Generations. One is uh, they tend to be Christians and, and professional churchgoers who move into the area, and they go onto the internet, and they search the internet. And then they read what's on the internet, and they go, these guys are liars, I'm gonna show up in person, <laughs> and I'm gonna call them out because this what's on the website is not true. I, you know, and then okay, so and some people are laughing right now because that happened to them. Okay, so, um, uh, and then we try not to lie, okay, because like God knows. Um, and then the, s- the second reason that people end up at Generations is because w- w- they got invited by one of us. I mean, that's how they kind of they came in. Now, in the early days of the church, back when we did kids stuff. Um, we had this segment that we did once a month. Um, it, was, uh, it was called Rapid Response, but uh, it was kind of like a game. And so you would invite a parent up front, and you would ask them a series of questions, and the correct answer was always C. Yeah, those who were around in that day, remember, the correct answer was always C. So we had a family, and it was their first Sunday, and we, uh, they pulled the dad up to come up and participate in this game. And the question was, who... Who married Mary, the mother of Jesus? Who became Jesus' stepfather? Who was that? A, Abraham. B, Moses. C, Joseph, the correct answer. And then D, something like Zachariah, okay? And, and so he's like, you know, I think it's A. And everybody in the congregation was shouting, C, C. And he, he picked A and lost. And they didn't come back the next week, Right? And so we learned right then and there, oh, we've got to, you know, we have to be, you know, friendly in such a way, like, we need to accept people where they are, <laughs> and he didn't know, like, it's an honest thing, like, if I went to a synagogue and, you know, or a bar mitzvah, you know, I don't, that's not my world, like, I'm going to not know some things, okay? So um, most of the people in our community, most of the people in this community are what's called uh, de-church, the people who don't have anything to do with God or religion on an ongoing basis. And the word that de-church thing refers to the fact that they have some kind of background. And what I've found, so uh, if you were to go to, say, Maine or Massachusetts, um, you would find a lot of people who has simply have no church background at all. They're a blank slate. Like, they never went to church as a kid. Their families had nothing to do with it. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know about Christians. I've heard of them, right? You can go up to the Northwest, Seattle, Oregon, same thing, okay? But here in the buckle of the Bible Belt, you know, most people that you meet have something in the background. You know, it's Catholicism, Baptist, or whatever. And, and part of that... Um, for them, because they're de-churched um, and because they grew up Baptist or grew up Catholic, um, they s- often have ideas about God that aren't necessarily biblical. So they'll, they'll, uh, I can't count on God or God's not really interested in my life. Um, they'll have ideas about Christians, right? Christ- all Christians are hypocritical and judgmental, all of them. And you in this room would go, I'm not, quit lumping me in with them. Like, I know they get a lot of airtime on TV, but that's not me. Okay, so, but that's part of it okay so they keep their distance these de-churched people keep their distance now people like this people like this have been around a long time people who've not had anything to do with god given up on god given up on religion we've had that in any given epoch of human history and especially since christianity came on the scene 2000 years ago believe it or not in the first century The first century had a chunk of people who, because of the Pharisees and the God squad and everything else, were like, we respect God, but you do your religious thing over there and we're just going to kind of live our lives. And when we have a kid and need to have it, you know, need to take it to get circumcised, we'll do that. And when we need to get married, we'll do that. But other than that, you stay over there and we'll live our lives over here. Thanks. And, and there was a large group of people in Jesus' day, a lot of them, who simply didn't have much to do with synagogue or religious life, believe it or not. Um, and so, one of those people was a man named Zacchaeus. If you went, uh, if like me, you grew up in Sunday school, you know this story, because Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Okay, so... We're in the Gospel of Luke today. You figured it out, all right? Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're in Luke 19, okay? And we're going to go chunk through this scripture and talk about it. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in that region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way so on the way into Jericho Jesus had encountered a blind man begging at the city gates and healed that blind man so as Jesus is entering the city um, he has a gackle of people with him and the blind man is behind him shouting and praising God so that as this crowd is moving through the city it's creating a commotion and if you're one of the people and you see this coming, you're like, hey, there's that rock star rabbi guy. Oh, what's his name? He's a Nazarene. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeshua, that's his name. Wait, isn't that, isn't that the blind guy from the city gates? Like, is, can he see now? Whoa, like what's going on? So this thing is coming through the city. Now, we're told in Luke 19 that Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector unlike america which is a republic where the people are in charge in rome they had a heavy taxation structure (laughs) in rome they had a heavy taxation structure and they would tax you for everything and anything and so they had a pyramid scheme where so uh zacchaeus for the jericho region was at the top which meant that all the people who collected taxes passed it on to zacchaeus Zacchaeus would take a cut of that and then pass off what Rome required and so for a lot of people in Jericho they saw him as a scoundrel because the way some people tend to look at Wall Street uh, investment bankers right well you didn't earn that money you just stole it from retirement funds you know okay so it was that people so he was a despised man And he was on the outs. He didn't have anything to do with organized religion. We can read from, I think, read from, infer from this passage. So he wants to see the rabbi. He runs ahead and he uh, climbs the sycamore tree because he's short. Now, the funny thing is, in depictions of Zacchaeus in pictures, he's also always bald. And I'm like, you know, really? Really? It's, you know, short isn't enough. You just got to add in the ballpark. Like, I now have a part because of my age where, you know, it's starting. I prefer the term translucent. <laughs> and in 10 or 20 years when it's all gone, what I plan to do when I'm at the driver's place is I'm going to tell them, you need to, ch- my hair color has changed. It was blonde. Now it's translucent. I just want to see if they can fit that in that little <laughs> box <laughs> and what they will say, okay? So... So Zacchaeus climbs this tree, and that's verses five and following, all right? When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. What? But the people were displeased, okay? So so Zacchaeus is up there, and Jesus calls him down. And the Greek word is dei, I must. This, is, this must absolutely happen. I don't know if you've noticed, but Jesus consistently leads people to God that other people have written off. All throughout his public ministry, he encounters people that the God squad and everybody else said, well, there's going to be people who follow God. Gary over here and Mary over here, they're not in that category. Like, you know write them off done you know the the fat lady's already sung it's done and over with but jesus consistently leads these kind of people to god um in verse 7 tells us something important about the reaction of the crowd right um the people were displeased he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner and that's a specific word that means a specific thing they grumbled all right They grumbled. The the word for grumbling is the same word used in the Septuagint for the Israelites when they were murmuring and complaining against Moses. So this is not a good thing, that they're complaining and murmuring and grumbling. In essence, what the people are basically saying is, Jesus, what are you doing? Don't you know who this man is? Like, you're going to go to his house? He's a collaborator. He collaborates with our oppressors. He is despicable. And again, as I've taught on this passage before, the word notorious sinner is a category of the worst possible kind. In our culture today, um, the closest thing we have for that is pedophile. When you hear that someone is a pedophile and has been convicted of that, you're like, ooh, whoa, right? It's a, like, don't get near me. I don't even want to be contaminated if you're in the car. You know, it's, it's a scary thing culturally. And so we can understand what this category meant. It had the same emotional impact for them in the first century that hearing that someone in your extended family has been convicted of being a pedophile would for you today, right? So if Jesus, though, had listened to the crowds... He would have never entered Zacchaeus's house. So let's go and see what happens. Verse 8. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, <laughs> I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Jesus visiting Zacchaeus' house, I don't know if you've noticed this about Jesus, but Jesus always front-loaded his relationships with people who were kind of on the outs with God. He front-loaded them with acceptance. I accept you for where you are. It's no problem. I'll have dinner with you. We'll talk. You know, there wasn't a, let's stone him now kind of an attitude. And Jesus did that. Now, the people that Jesus was the most standoffish with And the most harsh with were what? The God squad. The people who thought they had their act together. And clearly, by spending time with Jesus at this dinner, Zacchaeus becomes a changed man. He's changed. He's different. And we know he's changed, all right, Uh, because the proof is in the pudding. He's going to give away 50% of his assets, He's going to repay anyone who he's cheated four times the amount that he took from them. Okay? So Zacchaeus is truly changed. Nobody can argue with that. So Jesus, why did Jesus do this, though? Why did he do this? Jesus, uh, Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house because Jesus was on a mission. It's right there. He says it. For the Son of Man, he's referring to himself when he says that. For the Son of Man came to what? Seek and save those who are lost. The world is full of lost people. God has initiated this giant cosmic rescue initiative (laughs) under the banner of Jesus and his kingdom and what he's done on our behalf. And the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Some of you in this room can remember what it was like to be lost, to be without hope, to be searching. And I'm going to tell you, our community, our friend circles, our sports arenas are filled with people like Zacchaeus. All right? So today's bottom line is is pretty simple. A disciple is committed to Jesus' mission. That's the third mark of a disciple. A disciple is committed to Jesus' mission. A disciple cares about the things and people That Jesus cares about so if you allow me to go back to Matthew 419 which kind of kicked off this whole teaching series for July Jesus called out to them come follow me and I will show you I will make you how to fish for people and there are those three parts a disciple is someone who lets Jesus lead a disciple is someone who's being changed by Jesus and a disciple is someone who's on mission with Jesus and that's for lost people. So let me ask a question. Who are some of the people in your life who've given up on God or given up on church? Have you tended to see them as a lost cause? And if so, why? And lastly, what if God is wanting to send you to reach them? And I've got some qualifications for that in a minute, but Have you ever considered the possibility that for some of these people, God is wanting to send you to reach them, to help them experience God's kingdom? See, I want generations to continue to be a church culture that lost people can hop into because they're accepted and welcomed, because they're listened to, and because they're allowed to air their beliefs, and yes, their heresies, which means it's going to be messy, without being clobbered over the head so that they can get to a point where they see God for who he is and see Jesus for who he is, all right? I, I wanna tell you about some of the people in my life uh, who've given up on God in church, um, one of them, and I'm changing their names because you would know them because they're right here. Um, One of them is named Devin, okay? Devin grew up Catholic with all the formality, bells and whistles. He attended Catholic school. When he went to college, he started drinking because of his fraternity, and that continued into his early adult life, and he became an alcoholic. And he discovered AA, and he's been clean now for like 20 years. Um, But when you ask Devin about God, he will say, well you know, yes, there's a God, but he's not really involved. He's kind of off, you know, he's doing his God's things, and you just kind of live your life. God doesn't really care. God's not really involved. It's no big deal, right? But the idea that maybe, you know, when I talk about the fact that I, how I believe God's intimately involved in my life, I see the look on his face. Man, that would be something if that were actually true. But he's not there yet. Um, Todd, Todd's another guy in my life. Uh, I see him regularly. Um, His dad was a minister in Michigan for years and years and years of little churches all throughout Michigan. And growing up in his family was a very kind of Pharisaic experience. So they had, you know, he could not have his hair. His hair had to be above his collar Um, because he's a boy he's a man right Uh, he couldn't you know listen to rock music Uh, he had to be in church every time the doors were open I mean there's a long list of rules and for many years Todd was convinced that God was just like his father kind of absent and disapproving Um, and to this day now he's a little older than I am he's about three years older than me he still keeps his hair down here do you want to know why because once a year at Christmas he sees his father And that's a (laughs) kind of a thing. It's kind of as, you know. Um, uh, Curtis is another guy in my life. Uh, He was active in church. Um, He had a pastor mentor him for several years, and then the church fired the minister, and he was devastated. And, because he was like, how could you do that? This guy, like, I found Jesus. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a new person. He will not, he still, I cannot get him in a church anywhere. Because he's like, this is, the, is this how church people are? Forget it. And, and he's mad about it still. And this has been a few years back that this happened. You know people. You have people in your like life like Devin, Todd, and Curtis, Right? And for some of you, you may be here and you're kicking the tires about Christianity, right? I'm glad you're here, okay? The first question that you need to settle is, who is Jesus? That's where you start. Who is Jesus? Who is he? All right? But I want to remind all of you that Generations is a place for people like Zacchaeus. And you have people like Zacchaeus in your life. And if you and I are going to be disciples and we gotta care about those people the way Jesus cared about them. So what does that mean for us as a church family? Well, uh, this fall, this year, it's gonna mean some intentionality with our hosting and what we do on Sunday so that when, as people come in, they are welcomed appropriately in such a way that when they leave, they go, okay, yes, I, I am welcome at that place. Um, uh, as a church family, it means letting people uh, air out heresies i've been i've had all kinds of things said to me just outside those doors to where i've been like oh condemned by the second lateral council oh heresy you know fourth century you know and you just have to let people talk right and you can interject when you have the relational you get to the point where you've got relational influence then you can say well you know what about this what about that how you know and here's what the scripture says okay what does this mean for you? I hope you are developing and cultivating real relationships with people, real friendships with people who are in the category of on the outs with God. Um, for me, uh, I have specific areas where I do that. So my involvement w- with the Chamber of Commerce is a thing for me. Um, I, when I meet people at the Chamber and they've got their faith act together, like I'm like, that's great. <laughs> but within the Chamber of Commerce... Uh, I want people to see Jesus for who He is. Um, my, the swim team that Jenny coaches is another area for me. Um, it's kind of funny. All the homeschool people are usually here, and then all the people who don't go to church and the preacher are over here. <laughs> and we just talk. We talk about life. Um, some of the conversations on the pool, we've talked about, you know, uh, the origins of the universe. I mean, we talk about significant stuff. <laughs> And I've earned the right to bring in a Christian perspective into those conversations. But I, so that's just, that's me in my life. Your life's gonna look different. Um, Kate Hall, God bless her. I, I think she's paddling today, right? So, but Kate has got to be in her bonnet, this art thing she's wanting to do it West. That's, that's what we're talking about today. Like, okay, so, you know, this is cool stuff. She's wanting to use art, And scripture is a means to gather people after school to just have conversations about faith, God, and reality. What's real, what's up and down, how do you know? Um, So again, a disciple is someone who is on mission with Jesus. In a moment, we're going to take communion. And um, we do communion at Generations by Intinction, which means you just break off a piece of the bread and you dip it into the cup. But for some of you, I want this to be an invitation. And it's possible that you've gotten to a point in your life where you're like, you know what? Yes, Jesus can lead. For some of you, uh, it, you know, you're, you're, the, the, the reality of the situation is, okay, he's not really been leading for a while. You know what? <laughs> Ding today, yes, I want him to lead. Then as you come forward to receive communion, may that be an act of faith and a decision to do that. Um, for some of you, it's the... Uh, we talked about change, right? Is Jesus changing you? And maybe you've been having uh, painful conversations with your spouse or someone else, where they something's been coming up, and you know, okay, I need to address this. I need to change in this way, right? Coming forth, come forward today as an act of faith, going, all right, Jesus, I'm gonna. Yes, I today will embrace change. I will embrace change. Um, And so we're going to do that in just a moment, but I just wanted to make clear an invitation today so that as you come to receive communion, it can be more than just that. It can be a decision part on on your part. And if that's the case, before you leave today, find me and tell me, all right? Because I want to know.